This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. This is Michael here, and today I've got a great guest. Keith MacArthur is on the line with us today. Hey, Keith, how are you doing? Hey, it's great to be here. I'm good. Uh, likewise, glad that you are here. And you're in the personal development space, and that's obviously an area that I strongly advocate for people is to constantly learn, constantly develop themselves to make themselves the best version of what they can be. So how did you get into the space, and, and why did you choose it? So I've always been interested in, in producing content and I'd written books. I worked as a journalist for a long time, but like you, I sort of went through uh, some, some personal trauma that led to some personal growth. So a few years ago, my kidney began to fail and doctors basically told me that if I didn't get dialysis or a transplant soon, uh, I would die. And the better option is absolutely to, to get a transplant and not to have to go through dialysis because that, that can really put a strain on your body. It shortens your life expectancy. Um, and, you know, as I was waiting for the transplant, I was having my sisters getting tested and cousins getting tested. Uh, other, other people that I knew offered to, to kind of come forward and be a donor. Um, but meanwhile, I was getting sicker and uh, my body was getting weak because the toxins were building up when the kidney couldn't filter them out. I was starting to get confused. And, and I literally felt like I was dying, even though I knew that, you know, something was going to happen that was going to save me, whether it was dialysis or a transplant. But luckily, my sister came forward. She was a good match. And you got the transplant. And I essentially felt like I'd been given a second chance at life. And as a result, I, you know, made a decision then and there that I didn't want to waste it, that I wanted to live my life the way that I always should have been living it. And so started doing a ton of reading, a ton of research, and decided that instead of the books that I had been focused on before that, which were related to things like uh, sports and music, I wanted to focus on this new interest around personal development. And, and so I started creating books in that space. Yeah, our stories are very similar here where we had you know a health scare and um, thankfully I didn't need to you know, get the donation uh, uh, from a loved one, but it was still one of those things where, you know, if not addressed, you know, we may not be talking today. And I think uh, that's, absolutely. and that's, that's a key thing that when we have those uh, life changing experiences, you know, we have a choice, you know, and I always tell people, oftentimes we have three choices. We can number one, do nothing and just say, okay, I just kind of go through the motions of, of our lives acting as if nothing ever happened uh, B, we can play victim and say, why did this happen to me? And why am I, you know, the one getting picked on here and, you know, the world's against me and all of that. Or the best choice is to say, okay, what can I take from this experience? And how can I improve it? Can I use it to help others? Can I grow myself? And usually it's a combination of growing yourself and helping others when, when we share our stories of the, the things that we've overcome and, and, and the challenges that we face on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's right. And if you, you know, for me personally, just approaching it by trying to learn for myself, but also trying to share what I was learning, I think helped me e even more, you know, that I, I could feel like I was both a learner and a teacher at the same time. It just helped me to grow personally even faster. 
what were some of the things that helped you, you know, kind of revisit, you know, those challenging days and, and, and grow from them and, and make those uh, positive changes about, you know, wanting to, you know, develop yourself and, and, and take this, you know, quite frankly, a second chance at life. Because again, you know, you could have chose a lot of different paths, but you, you chose to do this. But what were, what were some of the early discoveries that really helped give you that momentum to be able to continue doing what you do? For me, the most important thing that I learned is that there are three things that I need to focus on and that I need to be doing regularly if I'm going to be happy and healthy, if I'm going to get my brain in the right space and be the kind of person I want to be. And so those three things, the first one is to get exercise every day, um, whether it's going to the gym and doing an intense workout or just taking my dog for a long walk. I've got to move every single day. And, and, uh, and so I make that a priority. The second is around mindfulness. So it's something that I kind of got interested in before my transplant, but after it's something that I, I really embraced and make time for daily. And then the third one is around gratitude, that I have to take time to remember what I'm grateful for, to focus on the things in my life that I'm grateful for. Because you know, even though I've been given this amazing life-changing gift for my sister, it's easy to slip into this, um, this mindset of taking things for granted and starting to think of, you know, get, get, approaching life as if I'm owed something. And, um, and if I just turn my thoughts around and just focus on gratitude for the things that I do have, um, it really helps me to be more of the person that I want to be. Those three things in tandem. If people would do those three things every day, just imagine what this world would look like. It would look dramatically different than it does because one, people would be more active. And again, we're not talking about camping out the, at the gym 20 hours a day type of thing. Just, yes, you want to talk or toss in some you know, vigorous exercise, but just moving around and going for a walk or parking in the parking lot a little bit further so your walk to the door is a little bit longer. Those little things you know, make a big difference. Uh, gratitude is, is something that I, I, I had a call with somebody earlier today, and, and I told them it's one of the things you want to do is literally journal every day all the great things that have happened to you today and, and start focusing on that. And what you'll find is even if you're having a quote unquote bad day, you will find that there were more good things that happened in your day than, than bad. And once you notice that when those quote unquote bad things happen, they don't carry the same weight that they used to because you know, okay, yep, minor setback, I can deal with it. And, and, and that ties into the mindfulness and just being present and, you know, telling the, you know, the, the amygdala to, to keep quiet. Don't worry about, you know, the, the fighting or the fleeing or any of the other, you know, things that uh, our brain tells us to do. And that fight or flight type of response, just, you know, basically, you know, be in the moment and enjoy things and notice things and um, maybe not look so much into the screen of your iPhone or your Android so much and just kind of notice, you know, things that are going around you and, Again, you do those things and it makes a traumatic difference in your life. It really does. And we know brain research shows that, you know, when synapses, they say that when synapses fire together, they wire together, right? So it's this idea that if you start focusing on gratitude, you wire your brain to look for more things to be grateful for. Whereas if you start getting into a place of resentment, you'll feel yourself day after day looking for more things to be angry about or resentful about. 
So, um, so we can positively take, take positive steps to wire our brain uh, the way that will make us actually be, be healthier and approach life from a healthier mindset. It's a, it's a minor mind shift, but it has major results when you do it. And very similarly, it's like when you buy a car, all of a sudden you see that car all the time everywhere. It's, 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 it's similar where he yeah. focuses on it and you're like, okay, I just bought this you know, nice vehicle. I never see them. And then you pull into a parking lot and all of a sudden you, you see 30 of them and you go, okay, which one's mine? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what the new plate was. Um, okay. Let me try to unlock and see which one unlocks. Hopefully it's mine. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Exactly. So, you know, one of the things that you did amongst, uh, you know, all the writing you've done is you, know, you wrote a book, uh, winning resolution. So tell us what, about that book and uh, again, what, what motivated you to write it? So I think like most people I've been, always fascinated with this idea that you could go to bed on New Year's Eve as kind of a flawed version of yourself and wake up magically transformed the next day. So, you know, from, for year after year, I would kind of set the same resolutions and fail to make them either the very next day or within a few days, I, I would have failed to, to meet these resolutions. But the work that I did after my transplant to kind of learn more about how to just become a, a better version of me, um, help me learn a lot of the skills to actually make these major positive changes in our lives. So the, the subtitle is the, of the book is about achieving your biggest goals and wildest dreams. So really this book is a recipe for how to do that. And although I talk about resolutions, it, it's not something that has to happen on New Year's Day. It's something that can happen any time of year, um, but it's just about what do we need to do what are the steps we need to take to try to make successful changes, whether it's about um, weight loss or improving, improving our relationships or improving our finances? Um, they all share sort of a similar recipe for success. And, that, and that's the key. And I, I'm with you on, on that where, you know, New Year's Eve, you celebrate and all of a sudden, you know, New Year, New Year, you hear all the marketing campaigns the gym gets packed again for a few weeks and then it goes back to now usually by the end of January, but definitely February, the gym is right back to normal. Um, and it was funny on, on new year's day, I went to the gym, uh, first thing in the morning and they were open and I was the first person in there and I'm looking around and, you know, I posted on Instagram, you, you people are already slackers, you know, it's here, uh -huh. New Year's day. There's nobody here. Now, mind you, it was five o'clock in the morning. Some of them may have, been just rolling in from New Year's celebration. Right, right. So I, I can't, I can't, and I don't want them in the gym at that particular point because that's not a good combination. And just, you know, it's not, it's not good for a variety of reasons. Well, you raise a good point. That's one of the reasons why New Year's Eve or New Year's Day often isn't the best time to make resolutions because we, we tend to go out and, um, you know, go, go to extremes with eating and drinking and, and partying the night before. We're not really setting ourselves up for success. Another problem with it is that on New Year's Eve, if you know if you're setting your New Year's Eve, your resolutions on New Year's Eve, you haven't really taken the time to plan for them and to, to actually set a plan of what it, what success looks like. So that's one of the things that I really stress in the book as well is that if you're going to set resolutions, it, it's not just like snapping your finger and making it happen. You need to take some time before your resolution start date to actually set a plan to anticipate what are some of the stumbling blocks that might show up that'll prevent me from succeeding um, and, and to, to make a, a game plan for how you're gonna deal with those. 
and that's key because just like with anything, like it's a, a project or something, a deck you're going to build or anything, you got to have a plan on what it's going to look like and, and hopefully have an idea what, you know, the, the aftermath or the outcome will look like, because when you do that, um, you know what it should look like and the steps that you need to take to get there. And, you know, one of the things that I do, if, if there's some type of change or if I want to do something different in a new year, I don't necessarily think in, in years, I tend to operate more in, in quarters or maybe half year, but uh, a much shorter time frame. Uh, so that way, one, it motivates me to move things and, and do things a little bit sooner, but also it keeps it fresh. Because if I say, okay, in 2020, I want to do this. All right, well, that's not as far out as it could be, but it's still, you know, it's a ways away before we get to that day. And, and audience, just so you know, if we're recording this in early May of 2019, just to kind of date it a little bit. But mm -hmm. so we know that in, you know, six months and some change, it'll be a new year. So if I'm planning on doing something next year, then in order for me to be successful in reaching that goal, you know, what are the steps I have to take between now and then in order to be successful? And, and that's a great exercise to do because if you say, okay, well, I'm, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. How, what are you going to do? Are you, do you want to lose it like boxers do and just cut weight for the fight and then gain it right back before the fight? Or are you looking to keep this weight off for an extended period of time or for the rest of your life? Well, th those are two different um, outcomes or two different experiences in order to get to an outcome that you want. So you, you have to kind of map it out and plan it out. And when you do that, you'll be more successful than, than otherwise just kind of doing it on New Year's Eve. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, an example of trying to forecast your stumbling blocks, let's say that you, you want to, you're setting a resolution to lose weight and you know that you've got, let's say your, your niece's birthday party coming up the next week and there's going to be cake there. Making a decision ahead of time that you're either going to have a piece of cake or you're not, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to make exceptions from your resolution, but if you're leaving it into the actual moment, or if you decide ahead, um, if, if you haven't thought about it ahead, then you may take a piece and feel like you failed. So think about all these things that are going to be decisions that you have, are going to have to make that relate to the resolution and make them ahead of time. Because then if you go to the party, you've already decided, okay, this is the one day, you know, this week that I'm going to have a piece of dessert you've made that decision, you're going to feel okay about it. You're not going to go into a shame spiral that could kind of make the whole resolution fall apart. So, um, so that's really important is thinking ahead about those potential stumbling blocks. And also too, when you're beating yourself up because you had that piece of cake or the two pieces of cake and the ice cream, or hmm. maybe you snuck in that third piece when no one was looking, all of a sudden you start shaming yourself and you're feeling guilty. And then what that's doing is it's creating some negative emotions in your body and stress, which means your body and your brain goes, Oh, there's stress. I need to address that. So it's taking energy that you would normally be using to maybe help burn off those extra calories and address the stress. And, and when it does that, oftentimes the body stores up things. And the next thing you know, you, you know, and I don't know this from a scientific standpoint, but I would guess that, if you keep stressing yourself about that, um, your body's not going to be able to break down those calories so you don't keep that it was weight. So you'll probably put on more weight just because you're worrying and stressing about eating the piece of cake. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know the science of that either, but that, that certainly sounds like it could make sense. Yeah, and especially over a long-term period. And I know a lot of people, like, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. Well, do or do not, there is no try, you know, as Master Yoda's yeah, often yeah. told us. Um, and it just, again, yeah, you know that you're going to do it. And, you know, it's, it's like for me, you know, who, you know, I lost you know, a considerable amount of weight in the last year and some change. And, and I, I tell people, it's like, okay, if you're trying to lose, you know, a significant amount of weight, you have to remember that you did not put that weight on overnight you put this weight on over a long period of time. So don't expect to lose it, you know, in two days. It's like, woo, you know, I ate a salad for lunch today. I should be svelte. No, right. that's not how it works. Um, it's, you, you're changing habits and lifestyle and thoughts and all of that. And it's going to take some time, but don't, again, don't beat yourself up over it and, and plan and understand that there's going to be those pitfalls like you mentioned. And, you know, how are you going to navigate around them? And having a plan, which I think we all need to have a plan for our life. I don't know many that actually do, but uh, it seems like uh, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that, that don't necessarily plan out their life the best way that they could. And, and they wonder why um, their lives are in the state that they're in. Well, here's an example of how hard it is to lose weight. I think the average person who runs a marathon, which is you know 26 miles, the average person who runs a marathon is going to lose somewhere between 3,000 and 4,000 calories and, or, or yeah, lose between 3,000 and 4,000 calories. That's roughly equal to a pound of, of actual weight loss. Um, so that's a, a lot of work for a pound. Um, it's a little bit easier if you focus on your food. If you think of 3,500 calories, it's, you know, having a calorie deficit of about 500 calories uh, per day over, over a week, you could lose, um, you could lose a pound each week. Um, but as you say, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. And once you understand that and you can get into the habits and the routines of doing what you need to do, it change, you know, it'll change things. And that's the same thing with, you know, whatever type of modification you want to make in your life, whether it's weight loss or how you approach things, how you manage your stress, um, how you interact, your relationships, you name it. So if there was one thing in your book um, that you really wanted to hammer home with people and to really make a huge impact on their lives, what would that be? Well, so, so let me sneak into there's There's two tips that I think work really well, and they're around building good habits. So there's this idea that in order that the way a habit works for us is it's this what's called a habit loop where there's something that is called a cue, something that kind of triggers a habit to occur the routine, which is, um, you know, just automatically doing that habit. And then there's some kind of reward at the end that makes it worthwhile for you to keep doing it. So in order to build a new habit, you want to hack that loop. So you hack the cue by tying the new habit to something that you already do in your day. So let's say you want to start doing meditation. You might decide, okay, I brush my teeth um, every morning. I know uh, that I'm going to brush my teeth. Why don't I decide to do my meditation right after I brush my teeth? Because then the toothbrushing is, is a trigger. It's that cue that will remind me this is the time to do it. Then the second piece is around hacking the routine. And you're going to build something. You're going to establish a routine much more easily if you try to minimize all the resistance around that routine. And so in order to do that, um, instead of starting by saying, okay, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes every day, make the 
make the habit that you're trying to establish as small as possible. So say I'm going to meditate every day after I brush my teeth for one minute a day. So it's a, a tiny habit uh, or, or a tiny activity that if you keep doing it repeatedly after the same cue, you're going to build it up as a habit. And then once it's established as something you do automatically, then you can start lengthening out the amount of time that you spend on it. So I call these um, piggybacking and shrinking your habits as a way to hack the habit loop. And that's a great analogy because if you start off small, you'll get some momentum. You'll like what I like to call quick wins. And when you do that, you get that momentum and you go, okay, I can do this, you know, and, and you start doing it and it builds those habits. It builds the, the memory or the memory muscle. And at the end of it, you'll start seeing some changes over time. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm not as stressed as I used to be, or I'm more positive than I used to be. Uh, I'm accomplishing more. I'm more energetic. Uh, just it, there's so many positive things that happen when you know, we take those small steps, you know, and it's like, you know, if you increase, I think it's James Altucher says, if you improve yourself 1% a day, then over a year, you've improved yourself 365%. And that's, it's kind of like compound interest. It's like right. it keeps growing and growing. So that's awesome. Keith, I've enjoyed our conversation today. It's amazing how time flies through these things. Um, I was wondering where uh, people could find out more about you, about your book and everything else you do. Yeah. So the book is Witting Resolutions. It's available on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, um, kind of wherever, wherever you, you buy your books, uh, in print or ebook. Um, and they can find more about me at myinstructionmanual.com. I've also got a podcast um, with great guests, including you, Michael, <laughs> on a recent episode. Um, and they can find My Instruction Manual, the podcast, uh, anywhere podcasts are found. That's awesome. And audience, I'll have all that information in the show notes. So Keith, great to talk to you again. Appreciate you and all the awesome stuff that you're doing. And thanks again for being on the show. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.